Hello listeners, welcome to Creative Connections. I'm Adam Deere and today I'm joined by Supervising Director for Opera Australia, Matthew Barclay. Hello, Matt. G'day, Adam. How are you? I'm really good. It's great Thank- to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be good fun. Cool. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, so, Matt, you're trained in classical ballet. Where did that? Well, where did your journey with dance begin? Well, there's always a mother involved, isn't there? You know, <laughs> yeah. on the line. I had Were you one forcing you. No, not necessarily forcing me, but she had a sort of a, you know, pro-am sort of, she flirted in the profession when she was a young woman herself. So what happened to me was that I was actually paying for my own school fees by singing in a choir down in Melbourne. Oh, right. And I was attending, it was like eight shows a week. We were doing, you know, five even songs, two shows on a Sunday at St Paul's Cathedral Choir. So I was a committed choir boy. And then one day a show came along called Evita, back in 1980, yes. and I thought, I'll give, you know, try my hand at that. Um, I got the job. And right. six months, um, it, Her Majesty's Theatre at the age of 11, and I thought, I, I, like, I like the idea of this, you know. I've got a taste for it, um, being on stage, surrounded by all these really interesting people. And so I sort of, my mum thought, well, if, you're gonna, if you want to be a performer, you better learn how to dance. So that was it. She sent me along to the Victorian College of the Arts. I had no prior experience. I put on what I thought were pretty ridiculous clothes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what was your audition I, like? was being surrounded by a lot of girls, actually, and thinking, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this, is, this is okay. And then eight years later, I graduated from the Australian Ballet School. So I was sucked into this vortex of, of you know, movement, dance, energy, adrenaline, fun. And that really was my, I kind of came out thinking, well, do I really want to be a dancer? You know, right. I, I actually lost connection with really why, what, who I was and what I wanted to do with my life. Because I just had this pressure upon myself of we better get really good at ballet because, you know, if you're going to have any kind of career, you better... You better excel. So you know, it was it was a great um, it was great upbringing in terms of you know so immersed in the arts, so immersed in in one craft. But when I came out, I realised that I had a lot of other interests. You know. Yeah. So was it? Did you feel as though your passion for dance kind of was fading, or? Yeah. Look, I think that's a good question. Uh, no, not so much fading, but I just felt as though I was always, you know, when I was a dancer, I got so much opportunities to work in opera, you know, as a dancer when I was quite young. Um, and I looked at what directors were doing and I, you know, watched from the wings and I, so I was very curious about what directors were up to, you know. Um, and I remember one, when I got to this, I actually got this, the Australian opera, it was called back then, at the Opera House, and I was one of their dancers in their ensemble. <clears throat> And I remember watching one director from the wings directing a woman in a role in Fiddle on the Roof. And, and you know, she was crying. You know, she was she was, was she meant to be crying? Yeah. <laughs> or was she hey? crying because what? was she meant to be crying or was she crying because no, the director yeah, was no, ripping she, into no, her? Exactly right. she, was, she was a good cry, you know. She okay, was, yeah. 
it was a really an emotional moment in the, in, the, in the story. And he was saying to her, I think he was saying to her, look, don't, don't cry. You know, hold on to those tears, hold them back. And I was thinking, well, what's going on there? You know, what's, what's this relationship between the performer and the, and the artist? And mm. gosh, I'd really like to know more and to be part of that. I want to have that sort of intimacy with another artist where, you know, they trust you that much. And I guess that's what led me to start to kind of think, well, unless you're really born for a career on the stage, like unless you really love performing. Um, and I guess by that time I was feeling like, you know, sort of, I wasn't necessarily enjoying performing as mm. much as I might enjoy. So uh, what were some of the steps you took to move toward directing? Yeah. Look, I was, look, my, my, my story is unusual, I think, because I was very fortunate that the artistic director of that company, you know, I, I pretty much marched into his office one day and said, this is what I want to do. You know, right. all, so many, so many, I would never do it today. I don't know how I had the <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I put on my best country road suit at the time. And, you know, this is back in 1992, right? And I was only 23. Mm. And I sat down in his office, you know, and I said, you know, I really want to be a director. How, what advice can you give me? And he, because somebody said to me, look, people love to give advice. And I, I really find that's the case. I, when people ask me for advice, I, I love to feel that, you know, you can help in some way. Yeah, you want to be helpful. You want to be helpful. Yeah. And so he was like that. He just looked, he said, well, and he'd already sort of had his eye on me apparently because he said he'd, He'd actually seen me in some productions and felt like I had a certain kind of um, seriousness about the way I approached things. So he sort of turned around and said, look, you know, I'm directing an opera in six months' time. Why don't you come back and choreograph it for me and then we'll see how things go. And so I I think what's really key to that is, is actually making connections with the people who can give you the opportunity, who are often the people you don't think that they are. Like, you know... People come to me often and I say to them, you really need to make those connections with those directors who can actually, you know, create that relationship so that when they get a job, you're part of their team. Yes. You know, um, that's, that's the key. I, so for me, it was about those relationships. I got in, um, I started to become an, sort of an apprentice. It was very informal, but it was like an apprentice position at the opera, I started to choreograph, assist, you know, and it was a long time. It was about six years, six years of slog, mm. feeling like I was sort of never going to get a chance to do what I wanted to do, never going to get, you know, my own thing. Um, but I learned a lot, you know, and I actually wasn't ready. Yes. That's the other thing. Yes. I, I thought I was ready, you know, at that age – 20s through to, you know, mid, like third, yeah, mid-20s, I thought, but in actual fact, you know, I can do this. But I didn't, I, I, I just wasn't ready. And I, I've, I, I only feel ready as I've gotten more and more sort mm. of older and experienced. It's interesting. And so I guess during that time would have been... Well, the when the you were part of the original creative team that brought Madame Butterfly to the Opera House, is that right? In nine ninety six, 
Was that yeah. a big part of that big stepping stone? That was, yeah. That was, that was that was going on. So in that period of time, he was he was really sort of um, hitting his straps as a director, and I was part of those projects. And you know, again, at the time, you don't realise how sort of um, how fortunate and how instrumental this all is. You know, in shaping how you are going to approach your sort of your work for the for you know you know in an important way. But at the time, yeah. We did, we did those Butterfly, those Boam, there was um, a, a production called Simon Bocanegra, and, you know, Idomeneo, a whole lot of operas with the same director. Um, I got to work with some great designers, um, you know, as they're, as they're actually building these productions from the ground up. Again, at the time I thought, gee, I just want to be doing it myself, you know, come on, let me yeah, in yeah. Um, But it was really, like, you get a full overview of, of everyone's role, um, and really how important those relationships are. Like, you know, the job of, of stewarding a production from and and all of those creative inputs from the start right through to opening night, that's a real, it's a real journey. Mm. It involves a lot of, um, at times, you know, delicacy, diplomacy. It requires, you know, tact. It requires encouragement. You know, so many personal skills, communication skills that I didn't realise were really necessary. Mm. Until, until you know, on reflection now, I look back and go, well, it was actually a really good um, training ground. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the first opera that you had the reins on? The first opera that I had the reins on was probably, you know, probably something under the VCA down in right. Melbourne. Right. You know, oh, okay. when, I was, when I was in my sort of, um, you know, not, yeah, after that period to come, you know, in the early sort of 2000s. Um, I had a lot of operas. Okay. I had a lot of revival operas, you know, a lot of right. operas where I was restaging other people's work. And the first one, in fact, the answer to that question is the first one was called The Pearl Fishers. It was a production by Lindy Hume. And I would have been about in my sort of mid-20s. And the director had gone to New Zealand. And I was asked to go into the rehearsal room and rehearse the last week of production and get it to the stage. So the, the pressure cooker, the pressure week. <laughs> yeah. And I, again, I was sort of pretty confident and thought, yeah, like, you know, I'm, you know I'm, 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 I can do this. Yeah. But it was a disaster. Um, I went in there. I, I couldn't. It was in French, you know. Um, I didn't speak French. I didn't know how to really stop and start the room properly. Um, I, I could I could work with the choreographer and the movement fine, but I didn't really know how properly to work with you know the conductor, the repetiteurs, the coaches, and actually work with artists who are more mature than me. You know, like singers who are really established, really you know top of their top of their field, looking at a young punk like me coming in telling him what to do in there. To their, there's a whole lot of awkwardness around mm. the situation mm. I was thrown into. And it was it was it was it was pretty much a disaster, um, yeah. But I I think it's you know I'm grateful for again I'm grateful for the fact that I I had that early on, and again you realise that you know the most important thing is to try and manage that environment so people can do their best work, and if you're not able to actually do that, you know if you're not able to set the tone and set the example 
and create a, create a kind of a, a supportive um, and, and an environment where also people are looking to you for leadership and and in guidance, then you know fundamentally you're not going to have a cohesively productive rehearsal period. Yeah. And I think learning those lessons really early on are really good, you know. A few disasters yeah. are not a bad thing. Yes, yeah. Learn from your mistakes. <laughs> so you've, in saying that, you've directed in China, Vietnam, America, all over Australia. What are some of the common threads that you've observed? Oh, look, you know, just people, just people. I think people want to do their best fundamentally and there's a whole lot of people at different stages of their lives and and um stages of confidence stages of you know um, readiness to be on stage in opera particularly because you have singers singers can come with their conservatorium training and they might come with 20 or 30 years of stage training you know stage performance experience but they're all at different levels like they're all at different um you know, they're all differently aware of what they what their strengths are and, and what their weaknesses are. So I think that's that's the common thing for me. You you find that the people there's some people who are going to need um, you know probably more teaching than directing. You know, and there's some people who are going to need the opposite, just you know a prodding, you know, an, a sort of discussion around how to bring this character to life. That's the common thread, I think. Um, the productions themselves, you know, all require, I think, very much the same set of skills to get them on. And I think the thing is about opera is that, you know, opera is such an international art form. You know, the singers travel all over the world to perform. So it's like, um, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a kind of a, a way of approaching works that is the same wherever you are, I think. You know, we come at it, they prepare the music. You know, it's not like working with actors where, you know, they've got the script in their hand and they're, you know, they're discovering it as they go. Opera, mm. they've got the group, they've got the blueprint already in their minds. They're programmed already. So, you know, that means everyone's from, sort of on the same page. Right. Wherever, wherever you're working, whether it's Perth or Macau or Pittsburgh, They've all come with this framework already in place. And then it's about, um, you know, um, mapping that out, bringing that, to the, bringing that to the stage. Did that surprise you how international opera is? Yeah, I think, it, yeah, it does surprise you. Yeah, it surprised me. Because <clears throat> my first one I went, you know, super prepared, you know, over, overly prepared ready for any scenario and then to realize that well it's actually just the same like it's back home you know yes. it's just um and i think it was a bit disappointing to be honest right you were yeah. hoping for something completely yeah. different and yeah i was hoping to be put right outside my comfort zone on the edge of the possible you know in actual fact it's it's it was not that different but the nice thing was being in a different environment working with different people. And that's why, you know, when I've worked in China and Asia, it's been different. It's been because they haven't got that experience necessarily all over um, in different houses around Asia yet. They do in big cities like Beijing or Shanghai, but other places, you know, they don't have that um, 
so you, you're basically teaching them how it is. That, so it's you know, more teaching. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is more teaching. Um, and that's exciting too, you know, especially when you're, especially when there's, there's cultural um, differences, um, you know, that you have to be kind of, um, you know, really sensitive to the fact that some things you're asking people to do and it's very, it's very challenging. Um, and also the way in which communication is done, you know, the, the, the danger of, of, of um, asking somebody to, to explore something that actually comes across as a criticism where it's not intended to be a criticism or judgment upon them. But in, a, you know, in Australia it would just be where you just, you just, you know, reflect, you're giving feedback. In somewhere in some other cultures, it's actually you know um, you're actually potentially intimidating that artist in front of others by finally being too um, sometimes just analytical about how they're about how they're performing or how they're rehearsing. Mm. So that was interesting as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so your supervising director at Opera Australia. What does that entail? What does it mean? Yeah, what it means is I'm, I'm pretty much overseeing the the work of you know the, helping the directors and the conductor the um, directors and the choreographers and the and the um, ads the assistant directors with what they need when they're at the company. You know, when they come into the company, all the resources they need to do their job, they need somebody like me who can pretty much you know guide point them in the right direction. Or, or assist them myself. So part of that is actually assisting other directors. Um, part of that is, um, you know, doing the pre-planning, the scheduling, you know, um, being a sort of linchpin between, you know, understanding what their rehearsal requirements are and going back to the company and saying, look, we need this and we need to set up the room this way or they're going to need a little few more days here and that type of managing requirements. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like if they need some more rehearsal time or more resources, yeah, they they they're themselves, you know, not sure about you know um, the score or you know how to approach something or um, yeah, it's it's pretty much making sure that they have everything they need to do their job mm-hmm. um, and feel supported. Um, and it's different for different directors, obviously, and and choreographers and. Not meaning to put you on the spot too much, but just a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, okay. when, when we worked together on the Ghost Sonata, we discussed uh, some of the differences in approach with acting and opera and musical theatre. Are there things that obviously are working with opera in Australia and things that aren't? Are there areas perhaps, you know, like acting training or something like that that you think could be looked at? Or mm-hmm. is that, is that unique to opera and it should just stay that way? No, I think you're absolutely right. You've hit the nail on the head with the acting training. You know, it's, um, but that goes back to the conservatoriums and the training institutions. You know, you, I think, and I think singers, young emerging singers would, would agree as well, that they would love to have more tools when they hit the stage in the rehearsal room. You know, actors, NIDA, you know, you tell, they, they live there, don't they? They do their 12-hour days for three years. Um, they immerse themselves, they completely, um, you know, come out of those institutions, you know, with a set of techniques and way, you know, how to approach 
what they're asked to do. They know how to tackle it. And that's unfortunately for singers, they have a whole lot of skill in terms of you know, being able to sing and you know, dress the music and, you know, um, but sometimes that's as far as they might get. You know, they, they have the acting occasionally or, you know, um, or they don't get in depth enough or they, it's, often it's about they don't realise what they need until mm. it's kind of they've got the job. And then they probably wish, gee, I wish, we'd, I wish I'd done a little bit more training outside the conservatorium. I wish I'd done a little bit more to, to, to skill themselves as actors. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's, that's pretty important for um, if the profession is going to, you know, really um, keep up with the standard of performance uh, in straight theatre, music theatre, I think it's inherent, it's, it's, you know, um, inherently that the conservatoriums and the training institutions need to, to, to do more, I think. Um, but the thing is, you know, they've only got, you know, the, the job of being an opera singer, you know, the, the, the requirements, the vocal requirements, you know, the training they need is so, you know, um, so, so, so intensive that it's almost impossible to do both, I think. Mm. Um, and they have to make a choice. And obviously they choose you know, the, the music and the vocal over those stagecraft, stagecraft skills. Um, in terms of the actual companies and the way they um, the way they rehearse, I think, you know, I, I think generally more time. I was, you know, and directors are always going to yeah, say every, this. every director, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, the rehearsal time is, 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 is so essential, isn't it, to, you know, again, music theatre, particularly straight theatre, you know, yet they have these longer rehearsal periods where the, where the, the actual artists expect to go on a journey of, just, of, of, you know, developing every element of the performance, particularly the inner, in the inner world of their character. <clears throat> that, that is completely in opera um, abbreviated. <laughs> Into a, something that you know they might be able to do or might not be able to do along the way if they if they have enough um, if they're inclined to do so. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think I think, um, but I don't think that's going to happen in a hurry. You know, if anything, the opposite's going to happen. It's going to become more and more condensed. Um, Why do you think that is? Oh, I think you know financial pressure. Yep. I think I think the way the, the way the the way the um, industry is structured, you know, artists flying in and flying out, you know, juggling schedules. They're in Milan doing one role. How you know? Yes, I'd like to come to Sydney and sing Rodolfo, but you know, I can only be there for the last five days because my last performance is on. You know, and that type of thing. The way opera opera, opera is, you know, um, you know, it's structured in this way where you know the priorities are to get the best voice you know, in your performance to get to attract the, the audience who are going to pay the premium mm-hmm. you know, to see that performance. But you're only going to get the best voice if you juggle that person's career, their calendar. And, and that's, that, that's very different to, I think, any other, um, you know, art form. Mm. Dance or theatre or you know, straight theatre or music theatre. Um, so the priorities are different. And so are there ways that you, obviously with artists have been hit very hard with all COVID-19, as has everyone. 
but particularly for artists who have just gone from something to nothing, mm. how do you see opera moving out of this? Mm. You know, I, I know that they had the digital season uh, mm. last year, trying to mix things up and bring in perhaps a different audience. Are there, are there ways that you see opera moving forward? <coughs> I haven't actually had that discussion with anybody at Opera Australia because we know we're all on. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> we stood down. Um, I, I'd, so I don't know what is the company's planning. Um, I've actually just been invited to do an online project by, okay. a, by a Chinese um, organisation in Shanghai. Um, there's a, there's a, um, a music director there who wants to do an online Don Giovanni. Um, so I've you know, um, been asked to direct it from Sydney using Chinese singers, um, which will be not, which will be um, situated in the sort of grounds of the Shanghai Opera House, um, and offers opportunity op- op- opportunities for Chinese-based artists to you know to to um, to perform, which is really interesting. So it is you know it's possible to. I, I would have thought the way to go forward would be to to find those projects, you know, find those new innovative ways of, of getting opera um, out to our audience that actually advances, you know, what we do. It actually, mm. you know, expands what we do and expands what, how, we, how we think about opera. Um, I'm kind of naturally curious. Um, and I, I would have thought the online platforms, you know, offer a great opportunity for that. Um, it's technically really hard, obviously, you know, coordinating music and, and, and voice and in sync. But, um, yeah, I would, I, that would be my inclination to, to, to try and find those, those new um, ways of, of performing opera. Um, but I don't know what the company's got planned. Yes. And uh, before we came on, you mentioned that you uh, went through the application process for a, an arts grant. Mm. Can you discuss that that process? Yeah, look, I think, you know, the Australia Council released that $50 million initially as soon as this whole thing, you know, pandemic hit crisis. It, um, so I was immediately stood down from the opera company. So I thought, well, what do I need? What do, what do I want to learn? You know, um, I was thinking about... Um, Expect, you know, some, some extra skills in direction. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'd like to, um, I've never had the opportunity since I started to actually, apart from study language, to actually go away and, and do some courses in, you know, in direction, aspects of direction that maybe I'm not, um, you know, that I'd like to spend some time. So anyway, I applied for a grant, yeah, um, through that, through the ADAPT area of the, of the Australia Council grant. Um, grants available and you know um, yeah it was I'm glad I did because I don't know whether I got it but it's yeah. good you know when it, you know it forces you to reflect doesn't it on you know when you're pitching something to somebody you know you've got to come up with a reason why you think it's a good idea <laughs> and um, yeah it causes you to reflect on, on what you have what you know what you don't know and where you might like to go in the future yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't a wasted experience, I don't think. Yeah, that's good. And I was wondering, is there an opera or something that you haven't directed that that's the one you want to direct? Like that's uh, the thing? It's funny, you know, 
There's a yeah. There's a few. <laughs> there's a lot of Baroque <laughs> opera. Like I used to when I felt, first fell in love with opera, it was Baroque opera, like the early pieces. Right. You know, Handel. You know, um, Gluck. Um, I'd love to have a go at some of those. Um, so ones that we don't see. Ones you don't see on the stages at the moment because, um, you know, pinch cut opera do a lot of those. Mm-hmm. There's kind of an agreement now as a pinch cut does the early music and Opera Australia does everything else. So I'd love to have a crack at um, directing because that's it's dance music. You know, those, those composers were actually, you know, they were composing dance music for the stage, really. Um, so I'd love to have a crack at those. Um, is there one that I'd really like to, and I'd like to do more 20th century music as well. I really like Britain. Um, I'd love to direct some of those operas. And I'd actually really love to direct some plays. So I'm putting that out there, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. Anyone um, listening? Um, yeah, it's, it's like I think the skills are so transferable. I really do. Um, particularly when it comes around, comes to structure and, you know, the dramaturgy of what we do. Yeah, I think I might have mentioned this once to you before that, you know, the, the what, I, what actors offer is so, what actors offer a director is so fantastic. And I'd like to work with more actors um, to have that kind of relationship, mm. you know, as opposed to, because in opera, often in opera you find that you are, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, generating of, you know, the scene work and the, and the material, you know, you, you're kind of doing a lot of that yourself. I'd love to do more. Right, yeah, you're not getting the offers. No, I'm not getting the offers, yeah. Um, some do, but, you know, for the most part, you're trying to find ways of getting the offers out of them. Yeah. And, uh, and that would be the pleasure of working with, with actors more, yeah. And just in wrapping up, is there some advice you'd give to emerging directors or directors looking to get started? Should they barge into an office and yeah, say they, they want to be a director? <laughs> yeah, they absolutely should. They, they really should. I mean, they, I, I, I think the advice would be that people like to help, you know, and if you can find the people who can help you the most, then just just ask for advice. My, you know, just literally say, I'd love to hear thoughts about where, where you think I'm, I could, you know, I should be heading because this is what I want to do. And can you help me get there? Um, the other thing I, I would say is, um, you know, just to just sometimes, you know, when you really, when you feel as though you're not getting anywhere and you're just banging your head against a brick wall and, you know, you're not allowed, you're not getting the opportunity to express yourself, just hang in there mm. because everything you're doing, you know, does actually contribute. Later on, you'll realize that every, you know, the hardships and the, the disappointments and the frustration that you're experiencing, you, you know, it's actually, you will come out the other side and look, look back and realise that that was all for some reason or that that was actually developing you in one way. You know, it can be frustrating, but um, it does build aspects of your personality that are really helpful later on when you're in this situation where, you know, something's falling apart in front of you or, you know, you're in a crisis, you're going you're gonna to use, you're going to need that part of yourself. So my other advice would be just to hang in there and, um, and just help yourself through it. Don't give up. Great advice. Well, Matt Barclay, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure talking yeah, to you. Yeah, it's been great, Adam. Thanks a lot. 
Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure you like and follow Adam Deer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And join me next week on Creative Connections.